You have your soil test in your hands. You know exactly what your soil wants. But now what? How do you add this long list of amendments without breaking the bank? Which one should you start with first? How much do I need? I know this can seem overwhelming, but let's dive into the answers found in the pages of my book, Dirt, Finding the Solution to Building Soil Health. You might be surprised by the answer. Let's get growing. Hello, and welcome to the Prages Plant Podcast, the show that talks about growing, growing a garden, a homestead, a healthy family, and most importantly, growing closer to God. I'm your host, Crystal Media, owner of the Red Ridge Farm Homestead, where our mission is to help women of faith find the courage to grow healthy food for their family while building a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior. That's you. Don't let the world hold you back. Pray. Just plant. Hello, fellow growers, and welcome to the Pray Just Plant podcast. Today, in Season 13, Episode 1, we're going to talk about our garden and our garden soil. We're also going to dive inside my book, Dirt, Finding the Solution to Building Soil Health, to get some answers and ask the question, what amendments do you start with? Do you add all of them? Do you need the big three? And really, essentially, we're going to look at the myth behind amendments. Are the big three really the big three you should be thinking about? And so much more. But first, let me tell you about my book, Dirt, Finding the Solution to Building Soil Health. I wrote this book a few years ago, and you can find it on my website. I talk about it a lot. But really, essentially, it's my journey and also answers some big myth questions like what we're going to answer today and other things like why every time you go to solve your soil problems, you feel overwhelmed and frustrated by all the different information out there. And you think about wanting to do some ideas from someone you might follow on YouTube, but you really feel unsure if those are the ideas you need to do. I talk about the myth behind what they do to their soil is what you can do to your soil. That's not true. You need to understand understand your soil and you need to stand up for your soil. You can be the expert of your soil. You do not need to depend on someone else, even myself, to find the answers you need. I share tips and I tell lots of stories inside too, but I share tips about doing like the three major soil tests. Yeah, there's three. There's more than just the one soil test. There's three ways to really see and dive into what your soil is doing and what is happening in your soil. Your soil is a living, breathing organism, technically. I mean, it is so finite, the microorganisms that work to create soil. See, that's the difference between dirt and soil. It's not necessarily all the amendments and all the clay and the soot and all the things that are in dirt. It's the microorganisms that create and change it to create soil. Those are the differences. And That's why, that's the title of my book, Dirt, Finding the Solution to Building Soil Health. Everybody deals with dirt, but it's when we change it, let the organisms do what they need to do, is when we create soil and let alone soil health. So my book dives into so many different topics. It really is full of stories and information that you can glean and look into and become that expert for your own soil so that you can stand up for your soil and know what needs to be done and not be looking all over the internet all the time wondering, should I do this or should I do that? Because I break that down for you. I help you go through that and not necessarily tell you exactly which one you should pick, but 
tell you that you are the one who needs to decide and other people can't decide for you. And I'm going to show you the tools that you need to help you make the decisions that are right for your soil. So let's start with our subject today, amendments. We know that we need to feed our soil, but there's lots of myths out there about soil amendments and soil tests and all of the things. So I want to talk to you about the amendments myth and really dive into what it is and answer the questions about amendments. And I'm going to be diving right into chapter seven of my book. I'm going to be pulling not everything. I'm not going to give you the full details of chapter seven, but I am going to go right into chapter seven. When I thought about doing this podcast episode, I was like, why not? I already have the information inside my book, so why not share it? In this progress of the book, you've already done your soil test. And that's what we talked about here before. You've already done your soil test. You know exactly what your soil wants, but now what, right? You have this long list of amendments and you're like, which one do I add first? What I can't, I, I don't have the budget to la- add this long list. There's got to be something that will help me get started right away, right? What things can I look at? I'm already starting to feel overwhelmed again. Yeah, I've got this information, but now I'm overwhelmed again. So the first thing we do, and this is the first myth that I want to break, is the first thing we do is we think, oh, well, I'll just go with the big three. And the, uh, what would you call it? The industry, the industry's big three is the things that they can make really easily and cheaply and they can sell to you because they want to make money. And those are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Now your soil does need those because as I explained earlier in my book, I believe in like chapter three, that really what we do to find out what our soil needs is we look at what our plants need, right? Because soil grows our plants. So if we look at the things that our plants need, the 15 different amendments that our plants need, then we can figure out what our soil needs and then do the soil test and really narrow it down, right? So you have your soil test in your hands and you're needing a lot of these different things and you're feeling overwhelmed, especially when it comes to like, oh my gosh, 15 different things. And the industry is just telling you, no, you just need nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium and you'll fix everything. But the problem is with that is that it's a myth. It is just something that the industry is trying to tell you to do to your soil because it's, it is a quick fix. If you add nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, you are going to see results because extra nitrogen you're going to get extra growth, but you may not be able to sustain those plants for longer. So you're just going to have to keep adding nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium because the plants are going to use them right up. Because the other myth that's out there is that some of these, especially the big three, are put into a chemical form that is quickly used up. The biggest thing that I want to talk about when you think about amendments is natural amendments. You want to improve your soil health naturally. That's the title of this chapter, chapter seven, improving soil health naturally. You want to use natural amendments. And what I mean by that is you want to use amendments in their natural state so that they will naturally break down. The microorganisms can use them and utilize them and they will stay in your soil longer. They'll break down slowly and not only improve your plant's life, but improve your soil overall for years to come, not the next three months. If you're using industrial fertilizers, I'm going to, just because, I mean, I'm not against miracle Grow in any way. I use it for my houseplants just because the soil inside of a houseplant is so limited. 
And I know that those chemicals in that liquid or whatever it is, Miracle Grow is just the big brand that comes to me. But when you're adding amendments that are chemically made in a lab, they're not meant to last because number one, they want your money. And number two, they want you to get a quick fix so that you keep coming back for more. And that's going to happen. You're going to get at that quick fix. You're going to get great growth, but you will also miss out on the other 15 different amendments. Well, actually the big three included in those nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are included in the 15. So it would be the other 12 amendments because what a plant needs to function builds on each other, just like in your own body. My easiest description to this is when I'm sitting there making a feed plan for my goat, and I want my goats to create a large amount of milk. I know that they need calcium to make milk, but if they don't have the proper amount of phosphorus in their body, they can't break down the calcium. And then if they don't have a proper amount of vitamin B in their body, they can't break down the phosphorus. And then if they don't have a proper amount of vitamin D in their body, they can't break down the vitamin B. And it all builds on itself. The same thing happens in your body and happens in plants. The amendments need to work together. I even have a, I share a story about this as well. I don't know if that's the exact story we're sharing today. It's about where my tomatoes, I was dealing with calcium deficiency in my tomatoes, but I looked at my soil test and I had plenty of calcium, but I was low in nitrogen. Well, my plant can't utilize the calcium in the soil if it doesn't have the proper nitrogen that it needs and the proper phosphorus that it needs. And that's just in my instance that, yeah, okay, those were things that I needed, but there was also carbon that I needed and so much more. So the first myth that I want to break for you and to help you get out of the amendment trap is that the big three may not be the big three that the industry is trying to sell you. You're probably wondering, and this is a quote direct from my, from my book, why can't someone just break through all this noise and give it to me straight? Why can't someone just show me the answers so I can improve my soil health and move on to my next gardening problems. Yeah, that's a directly quote from my book. Well, this is why I'm continuing. I want to point you in the right direction to, to help you not forget the big picture. So that's another thing here. We need to think about the big picture when it comes to amendments. And I've alluded to that already, that everything builds on itself. And I'm going to call that building on itself the big picture. Because technically, even amendments are only of what a plant needs. In my book, I have a graph that shows all the things that a plant needs. And amendments are only a small piece of of that pie. So I have a a short story here for you. And it's not the tomato story. Um, If you want interested into that, I do share the tomato story in my book, but I also have it in several other blog posts as well. When I didn't look at the big picture and only added expensive amendments, I not only spent lots of money, but I became frustrated. I felt lost. In fact, I started second guessing my soil. I thought what I really needed to do was either quit gardening or invest in a whole new soil. Now quitting is not in my nature, so I began to save new soil. 
I began dreaming of building brand new raised beds. I thought with raised beds, I could grow above my current soil and I could maybe save a little money. After lots of research and an accident, I realized that this was not the answer either. Changing up your soil may not be your answer either. Maybe that's something you're thinking about and you're listening to this podcast because you're thinking, what can I do? I'm having so many problems with my soil. And you're looking at your soil test and you're only looking at the amendment side. I want to remind you that that's a myth that we're trying to break through, right? That it's only the amendments that's going to help your soil. And that is so wrong. It's only the 4%. So quite a few years ago, we decided to purchase a few goats. I've always wanted the boys to take market animals in 4-H and with the size of our property and the huge weed problem we had from building our new house, they were the perfect solution. Now this may seem like a roundabout story, but let me tell you the ending will be worth it. We purchased a couple boar goats to see if it would work out for us. My oldest son sold them and as a family, we fell in love with the idea of making goats a permanent feature on our little farm. This led to buying four more market goats the next year, one for my oldest son and middle son to sell and one each to have as breeding does. And I could not be left out of this fun, right? I wanted to be in the goats as well. So I made my dream come true of owning a mini dairy by purchasing a couple of La Mancha dairy goats. This is where everything changed. Now, just hold on. I'm getting to the point. I promise. Everything changed. Because keeping goats through a Wyoming winter needs lots of hay and a confined place out of the bitter north winds. Now, we raised other animals on our property, but something changed when we started confining our animals during the winter that wasn't happening with our other animals, our horses and our chickens and those types of things. Now, goats are not the best at eating everything they are given, and they like to waste, you know, the goat where you're you're seeing the goat right eating it out of the trash and they love eating everything that is so not true. There's another myth for you. They love pulling it out of the hay rack and throwing it on the ground to lay on, poop on, and pee on. The rumor that goats will eat everything is so untrue. They are the pickiest animals I know compared to cows that I have raised in in the past and future right now. Um, I wrote this book a few years ago, so we didn't have all our cows that we have now. And horses, they waste a lot of hay. I don't blame them for not wanting to eat their hay that they threw on the ground and pooed and peed on. But still, it's an expense when you look at the expense of feeding an animal and taking care of an animal when they waste half of the hay. So in their pen, they had a lot of leftover hay that was not usable for anything except for our very first, well, it wouldn't be our first compost pile, but the biggest compost pile we have ever had at here at Red Ridge Farm resulted from those goats. We had to, in fact, borrow our neighbor's tractor, and now we own one now because of this problem, which, as you're going to find out, it wasn't quite a problem. We had to borrow the neighbor's tractor so that we could clean out our goat pens because there was just so much. The boys and I tried to do it by hand, and it was taking forever and the pile just kept growing and growing and growing and thank the lord um you know we found a solution for all of this because that was a lot of wasted feed and my husband kept staring at it and saying that is a lot of wasted money what are we going to do with goats and an animal that wastes so much feed 
So we used that tractor and we piled it up in on the outskirts of our parking lot area. And the pile was huge. And it took a while to decompose. Let's just say the pile was still there the next spring, which was a problem because now the goats had made another huge mess in their pen again that winter and we needed to clean it out. So this is when the accident happened. And this is when I found that solution that I that helped me really connect the dots with the whole amendment myth. So to make room for the new compost pile, we moved the old pile that was only partially decomposed into a section of my garden I was letting rest for the season. It was still early spring and I was I, we weren't in the garden yet and I, um, this was a, an added area that I wanted to expand on and it was actually the most depleted area. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to grow there. It was uh, the, the previous year my garden had really struggled in that area. So I thought, well, I, might, I just might not even grow there this year. So let's just move that compost pile there. And the pile sat there for another year because I we just didn't even know what to do with it. So here is where I discovered that new secret to improving my soil. That next year, we did need to use that part of the garden. So my husband and boys helped me spread the pile out and I tilled it into my soil. The results was amazing. The soil in that section of my garden became soft and airy. I combat a lot of compaction and clay in my area. Adding this compost not only broke up the clay, but it improved it in so many ways. You're probably wondering why I had never done this before. Why I didn't just add compost to begin with? You're right. Compost is the perfect addition to any garden, but to purchase the amount of compost that was made in that pile would have been difficult for anyone gardening on a low budget. I also didn't have access to that amount of organic matter before we got the goats. So I knew compost was a solution. I mean, I've read it in books and all the things you hear all the time, add compost to this and add compost to that. But we always see that maybe I'm only talking about myself, but didn't you, don't you see that compost is like a second thing and amendments are the first thing that we should be thinking about? But it's not. We need to flip that. We need to flip our viewpoint of it. Compost is the first thing. You also need to be able to find a good source of compost, which that is a whole other podcast episode. So by us creating this compost ourselves and creating the amount of compost, I mean, this compost pile was, I'll share a picture. I I mean, it was huge. It was huge. It was taller than I was. It was definitely wider than my compost areas that I was making compost in. It was huge. And it took two years to break down, which we didn't rotate it or reintroduce air to it. We now have a system that we do. We clear out the goat pins, the horse pins, the chicken house all together in the same pile now. And the pins actually in my garden are for the finished compost. We do not make compost in the the three bins together and you start here and you rotate and you rotate. We actually make it all in the big pile, but it's because we have the tractor. So we clean everything out in the spring. We turn that compost pile at least two to three times through the summer, especially after it rains or just before a good rain is going to be coming in because compost needs air because there's microorganisms there. Compost is all about creating soil. And remember, compost is what is going to help you put microorganisms into the dirt. So that's why compost is so important. We discussed how dirt is just the things that make up dirt like clay and the amendments, but it's not until we add the microorganisms to the dirt that we create soil. And that's what compost does. 
So we turn it now several times a summer and then a lot more in the fall because we're getting more rain. So every time it rains, we turn it. We then let it sit through the winter and then we move that the next spring into my compost bins in my garden so that I have access, very quick access with a wheelbarrow right to that compost pile and I don't have to go across the parking lot and it creates a great system. Remember I talk about positioning things and using permaculture to design your homestead so that everything is easy and functional and that's something that we've done to change after this happened. So when we added this huge amount of organic matter or carbon to my soil, I gave my soil a chance to breathe and even eat. Remember, soil health is measured by the health of the microorganisms in the soil and in consequence, the life the soil produces. By giving these microorganisms a new food source of carbon, they could work even harder to break down the amendments I had already been adding to my soil for years. You need both. You need to have healthy or microorganisms so that they can break down the amendments. It's not just about amendments. This compost also improved the tilth of my soil. That's the um, air and the fluffiness of it, allowing for it to now be less compact, which allows for more air pockets, which brought in more oxygen and hydrogen into the soil. It sure is funny how adding a few goats to the farm resulted in improving my soil health. I still dream of adding a raised bed to my farm, but now I can move it and make it a kitchen garden behind my house. Again, that permaculture design idea, having things that I can want to like all my herbs like right outside the kitchen so I can run out there while the hamburger's cooking or while something is cooking and cut the herbs that I need or the lettuce and things like that. So I'm hoping you're already seeing that the big picture is not just amendments. It's something more. It's actually combining the two and thinking about the true and actual big three that plants need. Now I mentioned them in that story of what it is, right? Let's break them apart. What are those true things that your soil needs? And break through the myth that amendments are the only answers because that myth has fooled me and I'm sure it has fooled you. It's easy for us to gloss over the part when we don't focus on the big picture. It's easy to only look at the plant's needs and not the microorganisms' needs. They are so small, how can they help us? Plus, measuring organic matter can seem like an impossible task. But did you know that if there is a test out there that will measure your organic matter? I explain it in my book. Organic matter is a fundamental part of the microorganism circle of life. Not only is it their fuel, but it's their habitat and where they live. That is why the bioactivity is directly connected to the organic matter in your soil. Also, when microorganisms eat this organic matter, they naturally make nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur and many of the micronutrients available to plants. So you might be adding amendments to your soil, but those amendments will never get to your plant unless there's microorganisms to break it down. God made this wonderful cycle of life where decomposing plants give life back to living plants. And thus this cycle could survive continuously even if you don't add any amendments to your soil. Any organic matter that is not mineralized, aka eaten, helps build the soil structure as well. So if we go back and really focus on what the big three is, we actually are looking at what the microorganisms need inside 
organic matter. And the biggest thing inside organic matter is carbon, the dead plants, because decomposing plants give life back to living plants. It's their home. It's where they live. Then what other things do the microorganisms need? They need oxygen. They need oxygen to breathe. They are organisms. They may be really tiny, but they are a living being that needs oxygen to do the things that it needs to do and break down those amendments that you might be adding, that your soil test is telling you. That's why it's a combination. That's why it's you have to look at the big picture because you can't just look at a soil test and look at the list of amendments. You also have to look at the other two tests that I mentioned in my book where you are looking at your composition, how well your soil com- composts things and breaks things down. Also, when you're looking at your soil tilth or soil structure of your plant, when we're talking about compaction and all of those things, because oxygen cannot survive very well in compact soil. So there's more to it. The other thing is hydrogen, which hydrogen is connected to water molecules and water is needed to connect what the microorganisms eat and produce to the plant. It's the dirt or the soil sludge that water creates that is sucked up into the plant and that's how the plant gets the nitrogen and the phosphorus and the magnesium and the zinc and all of the other 15 amendments. I'm not going to list them here, but I have uh, have them inside my book, that your soil needs. Allowing your soil to breathe and have carbon and hydrogen, you are going to create a better soil. Those are your big three. They're not nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Yes, your soil does need them. I'm not saying don't add them. Don't give them to your soil. I'm not, I would never say that. But I'm also going to say you don't want to add more nitrogen than you need. You need to look at your soil test. You need to look at what your soil says it needs. If you're not sure about doing a soil test, look at how your plants grow. There are signs that your plants will give you in what they are lacking. For example, I mentioned calcium end rot or blossom end rot. It is a sign of low calcium, that your plant is receiving low calcium. So yes, you're going to need some things that are going to play back on each other. But remember, amendments are only 4% of the problem. If your soil does not have the carbon, the hydrogen, and the oxygen it needs, it cannot help your microorganisms to do the things they need to do, which is break down the amendments that your soil and your plants need. So you need to focus on your soil first, your microorganisms first. Those are the things that you need to be thinking about when you are thinking about your soil's health. Now there's other things that you can be also thinking about, other strategies besides the big huge compost pile to add carbon and oxygen and hydrogen to your soil. And I share a lot of those with you in my book. Also in other podcast episodes, blog posts, and all the things here at the Prey Displant Podcast. So I do encourage you, if you have more questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me or hesitate to grab my resources. I do have another resource if you're like, hmm, I don't know if I want to buy your book yet. But I do have a free resource called the Building Soil Health Guide. This will walk you through the four steps of changing your mindset, breaking through a few myths, and give you some ideas of how you can get started in changing and building your soil health. So I want to thank you for joining me today in this episode of the Pray Just Plant podcast. I hope I have opened your eyes to the world of your soil, that it is beyond your amendments, that that is only a myth, that it is only 4% of what your soil and plants needs, and that your dirt 
needs to be changed into soil so that your microorganisms can do the work God intended. If you want to dive in deeper to this topic, I will have a related podcast episode that you can jump into. Also, I'll put the link for my that free guide and dirt, finding the solution to building soil health in the description below. And I encourage you to go to the show notes because the show notes is where you're going to be able to dive deeper and I'm going to be able to connect even more links for you on the this topic. This is a huge topic when it comes to growing your own food. Again, I want to thank you for joining me here at the Pray Just Plant podcast. And as always, don't let the world hold you back. Pray, just plant. This week's episode is brought to you by the Building Soil Health Handbook. This handbook was designed to help you take the guessing out of improving your soil, to help you become the expert your soil has been waiting for you to be. Many of us think that we're gardeners of vegetables and gardeners of fruits, but we're not. We are stewards of the soil. In this handbook, I walk you through the four steps I've used here at the farm to improve my soil. I want to help you become the expert that you never realized you could be. To grab your free copy, go to redridgefarm.org backslash resources.